Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Early Work. This is the podcast in which I, Rhys James, a comedian, invite a guest from the world of comedy or music or broadcasting or a writer or someone from the arts or entertainment to perform some of the creative writing from their adolescence. Very embarrassing stuff that they're hopefully ashamed of, whether it's poetry or song lyrics, maybe short stories, plays, fan fiction, anything as long as it's creative to finally give it the public airing their younger self would have wanted when they wrote it, but hopefully their older self does not. On this episode, we have the incredibly talented Edinburgh Comedy Award winning, which is just about the most prestigious award in comedy in Britain, brackets arguably, Rose Matafeo, who is going to be performing uh, and reading to us some of her war stories that she wrote when she was nine years old, somehow, uh, and then playing us out with an extremely spooky Halloween tale. So if you can handle it, it's a great one. It is my absolute honour and privilege to introduce the multi-talented, prestigious, award-winning <laughs> voice of millennials. Not my words, certainly, certainly not my not words. Not my words. Um, not my president. Rose Matafeo. Hello. Hello. Hi. How do you feel about being the voice of millennials? It's a huge, huge honour, pleasure and privilege. But you um, thank are, you for having me. No, it's an absolute pleasure. Mm-hmm. You are a stand-up comedian. Yes. Correct. I've only recently... Started admitting to that, but yes, okay, fine. Yeah, and to be fair, it is something to be ashamed of being a stand-up comedian. <laughs> no, it no, really no, is. Not even ashamed of, but like I, I'm, I'm like, oh, it's just a bit of fun. But I've literally done nothing else. Uh, really? Since so I was what? A kid, you were so. thinking that it was, it was just a bit of just a, like a not a hobby, but because you were. Well, yeah, no, but I was like, oh, I'll obviously move on. I don't know. I find it's kind of. I think I'm not a real comedian, but but you know, that's fine. What but you know? do now? You've recently said that. You... I guess so, but I think it's because I've given up a little bit on, on everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to do comedy. But you yeah. do other stuff as well. You act. 
I do. I act. Um, I write. I, I mean, I do. I, yeah, I have done lots of other stuff. So I think, but it's just something. There is a cringe factor, I suppose. Maybe like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comedian. Man. Completely agree. And, do you think? Um, I think by its very nature, stand-up comedy is just about the most embarrassing thing in the world. <laughs> I think it is. Genuinely, I think it's so embarrassing. <laughs> That's why I wanted to do a show all about shame. Yes. Because by nature of getting up and standing in front of people and saying, "Trust me, this is going to be great," <laughs> it's so humiliating. It's awful. It's a dreadful art form, and no one should watch it. Honestly, I think people come at. I, I agree, fully agree, because I think it's two types of people who come at it are people who are either like incredibly deluded and confident and going, I, I deserve to be here, or absolute nerds who are like, well, I've got some ideas to share for you today. Yes. And, it's like, it's, it's, and I'm very much the latter. Right, perfect. Um, yeah, I talked to a friend who who says that he sees every opportunity to perform as an opportunity to, to do well, and I say I see it as an opportunity to fail, which is, <laughs> I think that you can like actually distinguish between comedians as to what your approach is. But um, yeah, 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 those are the two <clears throat> types. But that's yeah, good because if you're someone who thinks they should share ideas, it's perfect for this podcast. It is. Um, are you excited to talk about where it all began? <laughs> I'm very which excited. Is the ideas you heard when you were a little kid? Um, yes. If I had to guess what okay. you were like at school, and oh, I do okay. because it it's is. the initial format point of this show. Perfect. Uh, I would say that you were relatively bookish and a good successful student Mm -hmm. I would say that you were confident and you were sort of unwaveringly into the things you were into and it didn't matter if people criticised them or it wasn't the consensus at school I would say you had a close-knit group of friends some of whom you're still in touch with am I correct oh my god actually (laughs) like weirdly spot on yes for all of it well um I would say Bookish, uh, relatively bookish. I was very much, um, I had a really good close-knit group of friends who are really ultimately massive nerds. So, yeah, I think I escaped a bit of the bullying you would get usually uh, with the nerdy things that I was into. I had really two nerdy, nerdy older brothers, so I think I was able to be a, a right. massive nerd. Also, um, lack of parental supervision, so uh, just amongst my whole childhood. So I think I was free to do a lot of things and explore Why a lot of things. Why is that? Because your parents are just really chilled out? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, great. Yeah, who couldn't be bothered? You know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And I, taught, and I was the youngest and stuff. But no, um, that's pretty right. I think I was very, I was confident, but in a way that... Um, Hopefully it wasn't annoying because I think I find confident children really annoying. Terrifying, sometimes. absolutely terrifying. Terrifying and yeah. just like just get just get get real. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, and I as would... a pair of current confident children, <laughs> we should really be. <laughs> but I think there is a charm to people to to kids who are really uh, in, into something and and and, and that lack of self awareness of what is cool and uncool. And I think I was never preoccupied with trying to kind of, I think fit in or be yeah, popular. Yeah, you weren't pandering to what. Yeah, everyone I else was just going. Oh, we're really into this, and you were going. God, I better pretend I'm into that then. Yeah, I think I missed that. That I've got insecurities in many other ways, but yeah. I think the coolness aspect. I, I was never um, insecure about that. So, did the freedom that your parents gave you? Mm-hmm. What, did that make you? Do you think a more creative child, like yeah. more willing mm-hmm. and well up for expressing yourself? I think I was only really a creative child. I feel like I was uh, academically. I was fi- academically fine, moderate to good, and um, but creativity was. Sort of my vibe because I think I was the only girl in my family, and so I think I was the only girl. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I think it was because of that I kind of would um, kind of do these little creative projects, and yeah, I, I was I was pretty creative. I was pretty creative. And were you like performing these things? So if you would yeah, write I mean, stuff, were you I, showing it to people? Yeah, I mean, I would. I was the person who would be a school um, kind of like a 
equivalent of a prefect when I was 12 years old at school and then would run talent competitions, which I would then enter and win. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It is shocking. Like, I would organise the prizes in which I would then go on to win. I remember when I was about 12 as well, I made a group of my friends learn, like, seven sketches, Monty Python sketches, uh, which I found on the internet and uh, printed out and got them all to learn and then perform in front of our English class. Oh my God. When you were setting up these talent shows, were you, were they judged by um, independent independent. reviewers? They were independent. So it wasn't rigged like you said. It's 100 quid to enter and all the um, (laughs) money goes into the prize fund for top prize. There's nothing for second. um, And my parents are the judges. Um, I think it was some of the teachers, but um, but I mean already though, like to be the organiz- organizers of, of it and then to win it, that's rigged. That's horrific. But we did uh, do an that's incredible so lip sync to beat it. So um, which you know can't do now. Yeah. Or, wow. And what know. can you remember what the prizes were? Yeah, it was a it was a prize for a fifty dollar voucher for, to a bakery. <laughs> called Rocket Kitchen. Got a good old big big cake from there. <laughs> One thing I um, wanted to ask everyone who comes on this is that mm-hmm. were you being creative as a kid as a means of survival? Like a lot of comedians say they became funny at school because they were a loser yeah. Yeah. and they needed to not get bullied by being funny. Yeah. Um, but from what you said, I would say no. No, I don't think so. I um, No, because I think, I think there's a, it's, it's kind of a silly... Um, mythology when some comedians create about themselves, or it's like, yeah, my dad was messed up, or like, or like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. or like all, your, all your dads need to be messed up to be a comedian, or like, yeah, that, that thing of being yeah, the they, class clown or whatever. But they that, had me by the collar up against a wall, and they exactly. were about to murder me, and then I said a choice quip about Margaret Thatcher, <laughs> and the rest was history. Exactly. Like, I think sometimes it just comes out of being a little nerd and being like, yeah, I think I was just, I just gravitated towards being funny. I was a, I was a comedy fan yeah. since I was a kid, I think. That was that, like, I loved comedy and I did love stand-up and stuff. So I think, um, and if you, you know. Who were you into at the time? Can you remember? Um, I was massively into Steve Martin when I was about 16. Right. I, I read, read Borden Standing Up and Jerry Seinfeld Sign Language, the uh, book I would get out from the library quite a lot. Um, uh, I was massively into like British sketch shows and all of that and like Monty Python and yeah, the office and stuff how old were you when you decided you wanted to do stand up then was it like I'm 15 I want to do stand up and I'm doing it today well honestly it was the only thing I was a control freak as well so it was the only thing as a teenager that gives you the agency to be like I'm going to write direct and star <laughs> <laughs> in this little sketch that I'm going to do in front of these people so I think it's, it's it was just a combination of all of the things that you know I think a nerd who has any creative you know, interesting creative things. Um, it was a perfect outlet for that. But yeah, uh, but I know I never decided like little Bill Hicks, little tiny yeah, Bill Hicks. Yeah, I've, I've got to tell some people some home exactly. truths because I'm 15. Exactly, and like, they don't know what it's like. And also, I think it's different different for girls as well. Like I went to an all girls school, and I think you know, I think being funny, you had more of an opportunity to, at an all girls school to be yourself and mm-hmm. be funny, and not you. You had no pressure of impressing boys in that way. And I think a lot of the time when I was a teenager, you, sometimes teenage girls, you make yourself a bit smaller because you don't want to detract from whatever sure. teenage boys making a stupid joke about something or other. So that was probably the most um, thing that helped me do comedy when I was a teenager is that I had no one to impressed so they would kiss me because and I did not get did not get any of that <laughs> you know so um really not the people in the crowd at the comedy club <laughs> weirdly no I had braces it would have been pretty dodgy going to an old girls school when like it's not 
it's not really the same uh, one-upmanship atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's not true. That's no, what no, I would no. anticipate. I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, Comedy wasn't used as a competitive yeah, kind of, you know. That must thing, have made yeah. you stand out quite a lot right if um, you were the yeah. presumably you were the only one doing comedy I was the only one doing stand up yeah but I think but I was you... surrounded by so many funny funny girls and I think um, and also I think it was the only reason I got to be head girl because I was confident in speaking in front mm. of people and, and around adults and stuff I was, I was a bit of a tiny adult which I do hate I really yeah, hate because I, I hate I hate tiny adults. Yeah, they can be so boring. Yeah, um, it's like that seventeen-year-old who like is into wine, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, are yeah, you yeah. kidding me? You know about wine? You're seventeen. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, having having too many long conversations with their mum in oh, front of your mum. Totally. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was the total nerd who would be friends with the mum at a birthday party yeah. and helping out and stuff because mostly the person who invited me did not like me. But I was a pity, oh, right. I was so a pity invite a lot proxy. of the time. Yeah. Did you have to do a speech to be head girl? No, I got just got chosen. But um, but I would do... You got headhunted. I got headhunted. Head you got headhunted from no, the comedy you didn't club. Have to campaign. You didn't have to campaign. Oh, we had to campaign and no. do posters and stuff like that. No, we didn't do that. So you would have ah. loved that. You would have been perfect for this. Yeah. I mean, you won it with out even doing that, which was your main strength, because you were yeah. com- comfortable being funny in front of people. That's true, that's true. You could have done the worm chocolate routine. <laughs> They'd have I loved mean, it. honestly, I just don't, but even, it's weird answering these questions, because I, I do, I, it's hard to locate what, ins- like, makes you do it. Like, usually, there's usually a clear kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, exactly what you said, like, surviving, like, with, like, school bullies, or, like, you know, impressing your dad or something. But yeah. I, I just have no idea why. That's probably why I have, I'm so uncomfortable with calling myself a comedian now. Well, it, I think we are both from that generation of, yeah. oh, I just wanted to. Yeah, and exactly. I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, any, yeah. yeah, any sort of angst I've put on the reason I became a comedian has massively been put in in post in but my mind. Perhaps it's because we had the opportunity to see comedy, a yeah. lot more comedy than people who you know, are older than us, rather yeah. when they just had to kind of, they were a bit in the dark about it, or we had obsessed with like favourite comedians and stuff and like we're big comedy fans. I don't know if this is a leap, but I think creativity was encouraged to our generation a lot more than previous generations. Totally. The I idea mean, of expressing yourself was like a big thing. Totally, which is maybe the, the biggest mistake of the baby this <laughs> yeah, generation. Yeah. <laughs> Encouraging creativity in the And now when they complain about it, it's like, you did this, exactly. it's your fault. You um, when you were younger, I yes. understand what you have brought today is from when you were a bit younger than being a teenager. Yeah, yeah. So you were... Uh, I was about to, okay, so I've got two. I've got two books from when I was about seven and seven and nine, right? Um, which are these books that I I don't you know I'm from New Zealand, but weirdly these have travelled with me all the way to London where yeah, I live I'm now. I'm amazed that you actually have the books. Yeah, I was expecting like a printout from no. a hard drive. No, I I keep, I keep a hold of a lot of things. Um, these are very special to me. But um, what was what's great is that in this one, um, I have a blow by blow two stories. Blow by blow the first one of when I was seven years old and um, me my my. Nan and my mum went to Austin Powers too, The Spy Who Shagged Me in cinemas, Great. 1999, Great. Um, which was the best day of my life. It was my favourite film at yeah. the time. But yeah, no, I had, um, so I had like a blow by blow of like, I mean, I won't, this isn't my best stuff, but yeah, so like, so this is the story of Austin Powers. Um, Austin Powers is truly attractive and all the girls like him. He was frozen in the 60s by Dr. Evil, his enemy. Dr. Evil is planning to get his mojo. Dr. Evil has a teammate, Mini-Me. Dr. Evil is also (laughs) planning to blow up Washington, D.C. with laser on the moon. But Austin Powers saves the day again. I think that Austin Powers 2 is the best comedy I've seen this year, in brackets, 1999. That's all I remember (laughs) about the movie. Um, I'm really surprised the teacher didn't, um, like, report me, like, talk to my... So you showed this to a teacher? So what was this? This is my teacher. This is my school book. Oh, right. And what was the task? Uh, no task, really. 
Um, just just like, write something about, in this book. Talk about stuff that you've done. Tea, and you've gone with teammate, have you, for mini-me? Teammate. You've gone with teammate. <laughs> teammate. Um, she, she did, like, my story about, like, you know, when I went to Austin Powers. But that was when I was about seven, but um, it wasn't until I was about... Nine, I got into, um, I think, full kind of narrative, kind of like, and okay. a, bit, a bit deep. And you were what? You, so you were nine and you wrote stories. I wrote a bit more stories. Narrative stories. Just looking at that book as soon as you open it. Yeah. Um, your handwriting has got a lot smaller. Yes, and, it has. And then very necessarily so, because the handwriting when you were seven was absolutely can enormous. You, can you, are you kidding me? <laughs> the books you must have got through. I mean, you're leaving big gaps between <gasps> oh, these lines. Oh, come on. There's a lot I of hearts. I was a creative person. I was a creative person. classic seven-year-old, a lot of 3D. Oh, there's Pikachu and Charizard, Charmander. Yep. But then I had a real I had a real bitch of a teacher who said, um, who just kept on like writing notes like, don't use this line and please <laughs> need yeah. in your work. Really hated me. She was, yeah. Oh I my God, like the, you've done like chapter two and in between the word chapter and two, there's a Pokeball, Pokeball and yeah. it's on every page. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. Oh, wow. Um, what do you want to hear from uh Okay, from have this? you got some options? I've got some options. I've got a couple of options. So um, I've got, a, <laughs> I could um, I could give you, okay, I'm going to give you th- a couple. So um, the first one is a story called Freedom. It's the number one, it's okay. the first um, story um, in, in, the bra- in the brainstorm for this. Uh, freedom is being happy, being free, having fun, being yourself. Okay. So um, here, here it is. This is Monday the 12th of February, um, I guess, uh, when I was nine. So that was uh, 2001. Oh, also, <laughs> I do have an account of September early month in here. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. What a what a tease! What a way to what a way to set it up. I can't read it. It's too dark. But I found it last night. I need to see it. I need to hear it off air. But and I'm I'm more than happy for this to stay in so that people can just know. Oh, you know, no, like because it happened. Like they wheeled out the televisions and showed us. Yeah. I remember the day. It was crazy. Okay, anyway, this is freedom. Once upon a time, there was a man who said, "I want to be free, free as a bird." He called up his boss and said, "I'm not coming into work today." But maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so, such a nerd. The freedom of one sick day. Such a nerd is still like trying to follow the rules. But he flushed his bank card down the toilet and threw his clothes out the window and went to the beach. He drove on the wrong side of the road. He pranced along the waterfront and helped himself to a pie at the deli. Mm-hmm. He said, I think everyone should be free as he tossed his pie bag in the air. And then it goes into a littering. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, no, it's terrible. And then it goes into kind of like a, a changes into the author speaking. I think he should have a right to be free. He can do what he wants only if he doesn't offend people or destroy public property. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that people could want to be free in other ways. Someone might want to stay inside and read a book. That is their freedom. Someone might want to run on the flowers. That's their freedom. And that's what I think is freedom. Wow. So that's a bit of a, um, and then my teacher said, good thinking on that one. Not a lot of nine-year-olds using phrases like public property. Um, also, running through the flowers. That's a damaging public property, <laughs> arguably. <laughs> I know, but what like, a hypocrite what a, this author is. What a nerd it was, uh, I, I, I was, to be like, you know, you're concerned about damage of public property when I was nine. Can you go back to the bit where you describe, he's phones up work. Phones up the work. man, name who, who shall remain man. nameless, phones at work and says, I'm not coming in today, maybe tomorrow. But maybe tomorrow. Not 100%, maybe but tomorrow. 100%. See how I feel. And then he gets rid of his clothes <laughs> he, out of the window. No, he throws his bank card, flushes his bank card flushes down the toilet. Bank card bank down cash. the toilet. So what's the freedom there? The freedom to not be able to buy... <laughs> Well, no, he's just, he's just, he's, he's, he's saying, 
uh, an FU to the banks. The whole system, capitalism. Whole system. capitalism. Oh, he's an anti-capitalist, he's an I see. He doesn't want to go to work, so he's getting rid of his money. But he's bougie enough to buy a pie at a deli. But he's getting a pie at a deli, He's getting yeah. a pie at a and deli. And he's throwing the bag what a bougie, in the air. What a bougie kid I was. To This is pretty hip. This is some pretty hip freedom. I like it. Um, so I want to get, but I mean, I feel like I, I, you know how they're obsessed with the war when you're a kid, like teaching you about the war? <laughs> That's such a funny way of saying <laughs> teaching you about them before you clarify that. You know how they're obsessed with the war when you're a kid? It's like, um, do I? <laughs> Who are they talking about? Yeah, I, English in particular is like pretty war poetry heavy. It's yes. a lot of war literature and that's why everyone thinks poetry is shit. Totally. So obviously they got us to do some like point of view, you know, bits of Imagine narrative. You're Imagine you're in the war. Which war? World War One. Oh, World War One. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah, World War One. So... Harder. I don't know what to read here because this one one of these makes me seem bad, but it wasn't um but it wasn't my fault. Oh, it absolutely doesn't matter that it makes you seem bad. <laughs> no, no, but it's, you're it's, nine it's, years it's, old. I, it's, it's it's not racially okay. <laughs> um <laughs> it's not, no, it's not racially okay. Um, but no, 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 it's not it's something I could defend in terms of um in New Zealand for some reason, for World War One. You can cut this out if you want. But they they um they'd always refer to the Turks. Oh, right. As in Turkish people. And it always yeah. felt really weird. But they still do it in, like, war memorial museums in New Zealand. So I find this, I feel like it's fine. Look, I can't speak for all the Turks, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> Okay, so I'll, I'll do this one. This is a letter home to my family, uh, imagining oh, myself as a, as a guy, Tom. Dear fam, Friday 3rd, February 1915. Dear family, I am so angry that the Turks blew up one of our boats. I mean, it's just horrible. <laughs> and worst of all, my best mate was on there, Mum. My best friend. <laughs> I just can't believe it. It's just so horrible. I could just burst out with flames. I'm all right now, but it's just horrible. But it's going to be all right. I'm going to come home and eat some of your delicious blueberry muffins. Mm. <laughs> well, bye for now. I love you very much. From Tom. Um, the next one is a very... Um... Sorry, no, you can't go to the next okay, one just come yet. On. There's stuff to talk about. <laughs> Number one, the classic impersonal opening of a war letter, Dear Family. <laughs> Not even <laughs> my family. Dear... I don't know, whichever family. family this ends up with. In um, Big fan of putting... I mean, was mm written down? Yeah. How many M's? Uh, five. I think you represented five. <laughs> so the, oh, the journey of that is, I am furious. I'm furious that our boat was blown up. Yeah. It had my best mate on it, and it's yeah. made mum. My best mate was on it, uh, and I'm really angry. I could burst into flames. I could I'm burst so, out with flames. Out with yeah. flames. I could burst, burst out, out with, with flames. flames. Is that? I assumed that was some sort of expression from New Zealand. I don't know. It's it's wrong expression. It was right. Okay. Silly. Not but like it's Turks. Just, it's so funny because it's really emotional. It's like I mean, it's just horrible. And worst of all, my best mate was on their mum. My best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exclamation mark. This is someone who was allowed to watch a lot of films when they were a kid because <laughs> that is like proper film dialogue. This is it war film dialogue. It is. You don't understand. You don't understand, man. Incredible. And then it ends with. But on the plus side, blueberry muffins. There's a lot of bakeries and like baked goods know. involved in a lot of stuff as you, with you as a kid. I have no idea. Bakery is a prize. You got a pie in the last story. Oh God, yeah. Blueberry muffins in this one. I bought you a donut today. <laughs> I'm hugely into bakery. I mean, yeah, and also like I also having sandwiches for every meal today. So yeah. um, okay, uh, um, this is um, this is the same vein. Okay, this is I love this one. This is more of like a po- poetic one. I hear the sounds of gunshots all around me. I smell the smoke from the deadly bombs. I taste the bitter taste of blood and death. 
I hear the horrible screams of the soldiers. <laughs> I smell the pongy smell from dead men. I taste the smoke from the raging fire within me <laughs> and burns me until I am nothing but ashes. For all of these soldiers, dead or alive, have died with war in their hearts. My name is Vic. I was in the World War One. <laughs> I'm so fired up because nobody said anything or took the blame. So I think when I die that I have done something good for our nation. That's a poem. Oh, my God. The I mean, that's World a monologue. War one. The World War One. The World War I. I was in the World, the World War, War One. It's like, you, yeah, you started writing it and then forgot. Oh, there's been another one. Oh, there's going to be another one. The World the War. World the World War One, number one. It's just like, um, it's so dramatic. I right? really like when you said deadly bombs. Deadly bombs. Deadly bombs. <laughs> it's a very good adjective to put there. Um, the taste of blood taste being of blood bitter. Taste Very enjoyable. Uh, pongy. Not a word you necessarily expect in a story pongy. like that. I know. Pretty light-hearted word. <laughs> pongy. Pongy. Oh, oh those dead bodies whiff a bit. Anyone got, anyone got any Febreze because of the... <laughs> The, the pong of dead men. But um, you, yeah, but and then you changed it halfway through. There's yeah. a quite a dramatic shift halfway through where you're describing actual things that exist in a yes. war. And then you trick us yes. by saying, I can taste the smoke of the fire. And you go, well, there would be fire. There's been bombs within me. Let's be poetry, me. baby. There's oh, my God. Poetry. What a twist. It's such I love a twist. It. It's so, like, uh, it's, it's just embarrassing thinking of a nine-year-old writing these words down, right? Like, and what are teachers thinking, encouraging this behaviour? I'm, now that I've heard them. Yeah. I think you have changed the age, and I think you wrote this when you were 14. <laughs> You're Absolutely telling us. I was not. nine, I was nine, I swear I was only nine. I was 100% nine. <laughs> okay. like, Kelly was my, no. And but you might see in my shows coming up, but you know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah. when I was nine. Um, um, yeah, so there's a lot of war stuff, but yeah, I don't know how much time we have, but I think um, I want to. Um, I want to go. Uh, okay, so there's also. Is there just, anyone in particular that you would, you would be most keen to perform? Um, I've not got a scary necessarily one. yet. We'll talk about it, but perform for the ending. Is there Can anyone I do a scary in particular? One? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a scary. There's a scary one. It's not really, really a good one, but um, yeah. So I'll save that one. The scary one. Here's a short one. Books can't explain everything about nature. You know. Is <laughs> <laughs> say you know? It's, uh, does it say you know? You know? Yeah. I wrote. I wrote stories like stand up. Honestly, yeah. I, honestly, like a lot of it is like weird observational stuff. It's very strange. Books can't explain everything about nature, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. had someone told you that books can explain everything about nature. <laughs> no one. I'm talking about talking about the man. The man's trying to get me down with these books about nature. They can't explain the soft, cool wind blowing gently upon your face. Neither the radiant sun shining down on you, or even the feeling of the water growing up your legs like grapevines. Not even the gentle sound of squirrels playing happily. No squirrels in New Zealand. Is that true? That's a fact. There's no squirrels in New Zealand. There's no squirrels in New Zealand. So you can't fully trust books about nature (laughs) because (laughs) because it only takes a couple of sentences to prove them wrong. Oh, my God. I love that. Wow. That's electrifying. I've I've got goosebumps. That ending. So you can't fully trust. I mean, what a weird... I mean, it is a... 
premise that you invented as a nine-year-old. So you're arguing against something that no one has ever claimed. But the fact that there's a the lack of trust, you feel betrayed by books because they've they've yeah. they've tried. How dare they yeah. to expose everything there is to know about nature? And you go, yeah. What about the sea growing up my legs, water growing up my legs? Is that what it was? To be fair, yeah, like, like grapevines. Like grape to be fair, vines. my dad is a conspiracy was and is a conspiracy theorist. So I think I got that. From oh, so him, not trusting probably. books. Yeah, I like, mean, I'm just going to show you a preview of that's the nine eleven story. I mean, it's an accurate portrayal. I mean, it is just a, it's, it is like a you wrote the it's news, like you wrote the news like copy, copy it. of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's it just so your news weird. copy. But, but that would have been a that, I remember that that would have been a school task of like, look, obviously this horrible thing happened. We all have to learn about it. <laughs> write um, it down, why don't you kids. write it down and then you just describe exactly? Well, this incomprehensible, yeah, yeah. It's wow. hor- but it's it's a very yeah, it's very strange actually to have it in a children's. I'm story a huge book. fan of the um, my favorite one is the but you can't trust books. Can't trust books. I like about can't nature can't trust books. as well. Yeah, what was I trying to... Because also I'd write in a little conversational tone. Just a few sentences can prove. (laughs) I love that Squirrels is an example. So where would you have got that from? Just watching stuff. Films, yeah. Squirrels in films. (laughs) All those squirrels in films, you know. I mean, Just watching Ice Ice Age Age 1 and 2, yeah. (laughs) Perfect. All right, well, I now have to grade it. Okay. Um, I have to... It's pretty tough to grade these things. I mean, Mm -hmm. the first category is originality. Okay. Uh, there's quite a lot of different things in there, so it's mm. quite a, a war, Tough. a heavy war yeah. vibe. It was for war literature. Yes. It's pretty original, I've got to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've not heard a lot of stuff <laughs> like that. You don't hear pong coming up in no. war-based literature a lot. Oh, very um, book, yeah. I'm going to give it a four out of five for originality. Thank because, you. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of original thoughts as well. Like, I'm, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were definitely exhibiting. Uh, Early. A sort of ego of someone who was like, oh, no, 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 I think I know what's going on here. I was a truth teller. I know. what. Yeah, 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 exactly. Nice. You were a certified truther at age yeah. nine. <laughs> um, the next rating is pure teen horniness. Now, given that this um, is pre-teen and you're nine, I don't feel comfortable well, using Well, I mean, I one, had Austin Powers. You did have some Austin Powers-based stuff. You didn't really touch on yeah. any of the... My horniness to... No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I would, this is a school book. Yeah, Although yeah, yeah. once that... I, but the fact that you were, you were into Austin Powers, you um, know, the I, end of the James Bond thing, how old yeah. were you then? Um, oh, probably eight or something. When I was on the school mat one day and I just seen Austin Powers, I quoted the quote about Robin, Robin spits knee swallows. What's, mm. What is it, baby? Spits or swallows? In front of my teacher. My teacher nearly hit me. Oh, really? Well, yeah. Didn't just go, oh, it's just an innocent kid not knowing what they're saying. Well, she's like, yeah, but she's just like, but I didn't know what I was saying. Yeah, but yeah. A, a seven-year-old saying spits or swallows. Yeah, you could, what could that possibly what mean? What the yeah. hell am I doing? Yeah, yeah. What? That's horrible. I would have kicked me out right now. Well, it definitely so, yeah. represents so no a sort of an angst and horniness on the way. Okay. Uh, I'll give it a three. I'll go okay. three Thank for you. that. Um, but you. only because I'm uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> and the final category is the Mickey Mouse Club score slash Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, oh. which is how much does it show the potential of what you became, oh. have become, yeah. and now are, this future star okay. uh, that you now are. So I would say, hmm, certainly there is a, a line of very original thinking mm-hmm. in... Don't trust books because squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and there's an element of like how it's it's like almost um how do I explain this? <laughs> with, without wow. being extremely hurtful. Make eye contact. Make eye contact. <laughs> Direct eye contact with me when you say it. Stylistically. I can see aspects. I can see I think I think I'm almost identical to what I as a, stand as a writer. Up, a lot of good stand-up. Is going look? You never thought of this like this before, have you? Well, exactly. Who writes? You know, 
So the book one in particular is is you going, yeah? Oh, you think you know about books, do you? Well, guess what? <laughs> Here actually is a great opinion that's also funny because it's got funny stuff in it. Sure. And the sort of example of a squirrel, <laughs> it might be the sort of example you'd say now. Yeah, it's, it possesses the same energy and attitude, I think, as stand-up, which is, hey... Listen to me talk about something that no one has asked me to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's that confidence, right, of, like, stand-up is just essentially that. Like, no one cares. Yeah. Why are you saying this? And... But you trick people into thinking that it's... But stand-up, good stand-up is, listen to me talk about someone no one's asked me to talk about, but also no one else is talking about. True. And therefore I'm showing something original. And that is what that thing is, because I don't (laughs) imagine there was a task where it was like, prove books are incorrect. (laughs) This is school. Welcome to school. I want you to write something in a book about why books are wrong, particularly about nature. Um, so I think that's pretty... Okay. I, I'm going to give you a pretty high uh, Ryan Goose score there. Lovely. You can have a full five. You can have the full yes. five for oh that one. Oh, my God. Which, what's the type... What, what did I give again? You did a four and a three and Tw- five? Twelve. So, so twelve? Yeah. Twelve. Twelve out of fifteen. Wow. Thank you. That's so the absolute top of the leaderboard. That's amazing. Is, it, is, it, is the top... Is the only on the leaderboard? It's the okay. only one on the leaderboard. I'd be on the top magnet on the top gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And this Can't. show is exactly like Top Gear. Yeah, that's the only reason I did it. You said it was like vibe. the I podcast said, of like Top Gear podcast. It's Top Gear podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I will now level the playing field. I'll yes. read an embarrassing okay. um, piece that I wrote, and I was a little so bit older excited. than you okay. uh, is, were oh. in your one. And this is a poem. It's called Eden. And the whole time I'm saying it, I want you to bear in mind that I read this aloud voluntarily to my drama class at GCSE. It was not the homework that was set. Time is reaching out to me. Through roots it branches, with hands it dances, and hence it passes in this garden of infidelity. (laughs) My life is trees surrounding me, a blanket of eternity, a complexity which expects me to see my flaw fatally. My path was green and suddenly it turned and greyed and dulled and paid the price for my disease. My greed eventually conceded and hence this fated lead proceeded and sure, this was once exactly what I needed. I took my chance and seemingly succeeded. My conscience's advice not heeded. Yet here I sit, and Eve in this Eden, yet I can only dream I might be dreaming. (laughs) As my mind wanders eager and is seen stealing a moment, I'm banished to watch my conscience bleeding. Yet if only I'd let my garden grow, my tree's leaves blossom and Adam know, perhaps these Blades of grass might not pierce my brain every time it asks, and the response is, well, I told you so. (laughs) Any guesses as to what that means? Because I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea what any of it refers to. Oh, my God. I don't know. What is it? (laughs) 16 as well. 16. So I looked exactly like you're looking now. Honestly, can I just say, I would have been in love with you as a teenager. <laughs> I would have been like, you would have been my absolute crush because that is the worst thing I've ever It's a heard. shame you weren't around because everyone else thought I was a fucking loser. <laughs> no, but this is my problem. You know, I, I, think, I think that that was why it was good going on all-girls school to save me from um, nerd boys like you yourself taking <laughs> so, advantage. Um, um, that was incredible. Me. I'm so, it's really embarrassing. The thing about... Um, no, it's not. Let's be my, honest. No, it's not. It's wonderful. There's and a line in it that was like particularly, I'm trying to find it, that was particularly unacceptable. Uh, so but a lot of you're it's the just Eve? Like, you said you're the Eve of the Eden. Yeah. <laughs> very progressive. Very but that, it would have just been, I learned alliteration this week. <laughs> uh, my conscience's advice not heeded. Oh, God. I mean, what is that? Can I, can I see it? Yeah. Can I see it? Can I show you? Can I try and see what my favourite bits are? 
I love this one. My path was green and suddenly it turned and grayed and dulled and paid the price for my disease. (laughs) What is your disease? The disease is greed. The disease is greed. Yeah, my greed eventually conceded. Much like you, it was an anti-capitalist message. I was chucking my bank card down the toilet. (laughs) It's just that I was about 10 years older than you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yet I can only dream I might be dreaming as that's unacceptable. <laughs> I, yeah, I can only dream, dream I, I might, might be, be dreaming. dreaming. What does that mean? <laughs> I can only dream I might be dreaming. And that's exactly the sort of thing I would have written at that age and gone... I'm a genius. Oh I mean, no God. one is as good yeah. as me. I'm the best. This is incredible. And I read that aloud to my drama class. And I literally remember the moment where I said, oh, mine's like, um, he was like, everyone just read these stream of consciousness. You don't, none of you understand this play enough that we're yeah. about to perform. Write a stream of consciousness. It had nothing to do with um, Genesis, this, this story, Adam and Eve. It had nothing to do with that. Um, and I just wrote this. And I remember the moment where I was like, I've actually kind of written this sort of like poem. And the teacher went, yeah, is a poem a stream of consciousness? <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't know what any of the words you said meant. So I'm going to read these words I don't mean as well and it was like I was initially reading it in one group and then everyone else just started listening oh and at the time God. I thought God it was so good that it literally silenced the room and I realised no it was so bad that it literally silenced the room Did you go to an all boys school? No <laughs> <laughs> No that, that class it was a drama class that would have been more girls than boys Yeah And I definitely popu- fancied at least three of them <sighs> Of course you would but, but did, were you popular? Um, were you a nerd? No I wasn't a nerd In the middle? I was in the popular group. I was in the ah. group that played football, but I wasn't good at football. I was good at Did you at, have girlfriends at... Rhyming. Did you have girlfriends at high school? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Okay. And I wrote a lot about loneliness. <laughs> and that continued into university. That's continued into my stand-up yeah, as a 20 year old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, uh, okay, cool. I'm just trying to get a grasp as to who you were at this time. Sure. So, um, did you write poetry out of school? This, yeah, so this... Yeah, yeah. I, to be honest, I think this is probably something I just wrote and then I like, I didn't do the oh, homework. Yeah. I'll just say this poem. Right. Um, Were you a good student? Yeah, not at this age. Yeah, I did right. all right. But this, I was having a lot of meetings about um, you're not, uh, you should be getting better grades than you are on these like really? mock, mock exams and stuff. You're not trying. I was in trouble a lot for not trying. Wow, it's it's interesting. So you were, you were quite creative, though. I'm, you've got a rom- just, or you've got a romantic to, spirit as a. I as wrote a and I like I would enter short story competitions on the internet and I would draw. Oh, I was doing everything I so could sweet. to try and be like oh, that, but it's that. all so bad. It's all awful. I love but, um, that. I did so, short story competitions yeah, as well, and I just did it online. And I'm pretty sure they were pyramid schemes because you had to pay to enter. Oh yeah, <laughs> awful. And like I never ever heard back. It was never even like confirmation. You have entered. It was just like That's you have so paid twenty five dollars. Um, so, out of five, what are you giving that for originality? Mm, well, because it's based on the old, uh, the old, the old Bible, <laughs> uh, I would say um, I give it you a three. I give you a three. Well, bear in mind, I can only dream I could be dreaming. I mean, have you ever heard that before or no, since? No, absolutely fair. A two. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, a no, four, it doesn't a deserve it. I don't know. If I, I'd say I think I'd give it a four. Okay, I go a four. Pure teen horniness. Pure teen horniness. I don't think it is as horny as it could have been. No. I think, as I said, I would, I would have been like, wow, this is an amazing person. But I think that lies more as a reflection of my standards as a teenager. Um, so, uh, <laughs> which, are, which are very strange. Um, so I'd say it doesn't, it elicits maybe horniness, but it doesn't kind of, it doesn't, it's not outwardly horny. Yeah. So I'd, I'd give that a two, I'm sure. Sure. Um, Mickey Mouse Club, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose. Well, you don't do 
this kind of stuff in your stand-up as well, much. I, I but did you do, for a bit. Do, yeah, okay. I, I, when I was first doing long shows, I was doing like spoke, bits of spoken word in the shows. And I'm Actually, sure... I feel like I've seen you do your let, letters as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was a poem. And I'm yeah. sure in four to five years' time, I will look back on those on a podcast and go, and I charged people to see this. Well, yeah, I'm just trying to think of the spirit of it is still in your is still in your writing. I might give you a four because I did. I have seen you do your letters, and I honestly think I think in two years' time I will see that at a preview of yours yeah. <laughs> when you're desperate. Oh, I have definitely wrong. read. I've read these old poems on stage and been like, "God, wasn't I a loser?" And people are just like, "This is too much. <laughs> I can't content. handle how embarrassing you are. It's not funny. It's just horrible yeah. to be near." Yeah. So what, it, what, what? That was a that was a four two and a, a four. Great, four four two, classic. So a ten, a so 10. 12, 10. Rose, you've won. You've won, won the episode. But I've won the episode. Don't get too excited. We're both losers. That's the whole point of this. Oh, that's so um, nice. I believe you have one more story. Okay, one more story that you okay. can play us out with, and I will not interrupt. Okay, and then we, we will we will add in some. Some kind of sound effects, some kind of music, yeah, whatever you tell us you want. It's a spooky one. It's spooky, so you want scary uh, stuff. It's quite spooky for a nine-year-old. So this is actually, no, this is a Halloween story. It's written on Halloween, Wednesday the 31st oh, of October. Oh, wow. Um, and um, do we need to do a with, trigger warning for anyone listening because of how spooky it is? Trigger warning of spooky. Okay. Trigger warning spooky, trigger warning murder, trigger warning. Um, but I, um, I just want to, uh, yeah, preface this with that. It was um, um, when I was about nine, or around this age, I dr- dressed up as Eric Draven from The Crow, um, Brandon Lee, um, <laughs> to go trick-or-treating with my friends who had no idea who that was. Yeah. Um, and I think I got diarrhoea that night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> the spirit's exiting your body. That's how much of a nerd I was. I was super, I cried. I remember when I found out Brandon Lee died, I went and cried on a beach for a while. I went about 10. Um, R.I.P. though. But you'd like chuck your clothes out the window, put your bank card in the toilet, exactly. and you phoned in sick to work because you had diarrhea. Maybe tomorrow. Straight maybe to the tomorrow, beach. Guys. <laughs> okay, so this one is called is Spooky Story, Wednesday, 30th, 1st of October. It's called Spooky Story. No, it's called, um, it says, oh, it's called Maniac Attack. Oh, <laughs> yes, Maniac Attack. Here so we it go. It starts, interesting. So is it starts with dialogue. So. No, no, please don't hurt me. Ah! We were watching the most scary movie. It was called Slice and Dice. <laughs> but then I need to write. It was called Slice and Dice, and then later on I added at the end of Slice and Dice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> we were watching the most scary movie. It was called Slice and Dice, baby. Then suddenly we heard, kids, time to go trick-or-treating, shouted mum. It was Halloween night, and it was pitch black outside. I was with my friends, Lani, India, Sasha, and, of course, me, Rose. Do we have to go? stuttered Lani. Oh, come on, don't be a baby, Lani, said India. There's nothing out there, is there? Just come on, we're going to be late now. Get up and let's get moving. We were outside in the dark, where it was really freaky. We were happily trick-or-treating. When Sasha saw a man standing in the middle of the road, all by himself, we went up to him and all said, Hello! What a fantastic costume! Where did you get it? He didn't say anything. 
Who are you anyway, said India, and pointed the torch up to his face and saw a smiling man with scars and cuts across his face. Then we ran like hell and tried to find a hiding place. Then he said, I'm coming for you girls so you can run, but you can't hide, shouted the maniac. We were knocking on every door in the neighbourhood, but no one seemed to be home. I'm sure that lots of people were home when we were trick-or-treating, said India. Then they found an old costume shop and hid in there. Everybody was looking around and suddenly saw him standing right in front of us. We ran and ran and we ran back to my house and the door was unlocked. We ran inside and found a pool of blood surrounding my family. I was crying so much. And then I heard footsteps. I was so scared. The maniac came and came right up to my... (laughs) The maniac came and came right up to me. Jesus. He had a knife in his hand and I closed my eyes and then I opened them again. It was all just a dream. I reassured myself that it wasn't real. But when I looked out of the window and saw him in the window, and that was the end of me, then he whispered in my ear, Slice and dice back. <laughs> Unbelievable. I think it makes me cry because oh my god, slice and dice baby makes me cry so That is exceptional. Thank you so much. I just want to say one thing about it, which is in the moment where you say you closed your eyes, you open them again, and it was all a dream, and then it wasn't a dream. Uh, I can only dream I might be dreaming. Thank you very much. That's the whole message of your story. Oh my God. Um, Rose, thank you so much for coming on and doing this show. It has been an absolute treat. It's been a treat as well. That is some of the best writing I've ever heard in my life. Keep writing your poetry. I can't wait to see Slice and Dice Baby released in (laughs) theatres. And that's what you're here to plug. So, um, yeah, Slice and Dice Baby coming out in October 31st. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Thanks. So there it was, Rose Matafeo's early work. What an incredible episode. She is absolutely amazing. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Give us a review if you enjoyed it. Do not give us a review if you did not enjoy it, please. If you didn't enjoy it, send your feedback uh, directly to at Rose Matafeo. <laughs> if you like Rose, uh, she just said to Google her because uh, I don't know if she has a website. But, you know, if you've ever listened to a podcast before, they're quite heavily advertising Squarespace. So, Rose, if you're listening back, get on Squarespace. Get yourself a website. Uh, also, I am on tour. I do have a website and I built it with Squarespace. ReeseJames.co.uk. All the dates are on there and I imagine there are tickets available for every single one. So thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.